0: And what an awesome time of the year. As I mentioned earlier, uh, I uh, began a series a couple of weeks ago called Finish Strong, and it sets up a, another series that I'm going to be doing after the first of the year called Start Stronger. And so last week I provided for you one of these little rubber bl- bracelets, and we all admitted it's still a little cheesy to do rubber br- bracelets. Uh, but I went for it, and I ordered some, and, uh, and I've got some left over. If you didn't get one, they're on the table outside by the blue box, and so I've been wearing mine, and I try to keep the the finished strong side pointed forward, and, and where I can read it, so I can remember that uh, I have an opportunity here as we get to the end of 2018 to finish strong and to to live the kind of life where I'll, as I look back on 2018, be proud of at least how I finished. Right. <laughs> I mean, we've all had ups, and we've all uh, had difficulties this year, and uh, here's an opportunity in the last few weeks as we're celebrating the birth of Christ in this Advent season to finish strong. All right, so look to your neighbor and say, finish strong. Oh, come on, come on. It's going to be good, I can tell you. You're going to have to wake up. This is a season of invitation. Raise your hand if you've been invited to a party of some sort in the last few weeks. Raise your hand. A Christmas party... Holiday party, staff party, uh, some other kind of birthday party. If you have a birthday in December, raise your hand if you have a birthday in December. It's hard to get people to come to your party, isn't it? Because nobody, everybody's like, who cares? The Christmas is coming. You were born, big deal. Jesus was born. And, um, which I know is personal for all those of you that were born in Christmas. It's funny, at our office, all but one of the people that office near us have a birthday in December. And so it's very sensitive right now that we celebrate all of them and very carefully. So we're going to do that. Andrew's birthday is this week, by the way. They don't care. They, don't, they just do not care. They do not care. So anyway, this is a season of invitation. And we love to think about invitation because the bir- miracle of the birth of Christ is that it signals an invitation by God for all people into his presence, The miracle of the birth of Christ is that it signals an invitation by God for all people into his presence. And the prophet Isaiah has said in these first few verses of this beautiful uh, writing that God is inviting people, which is what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about inviting always. And I'm actually not going to focus as much on you inviting other people as much as we're going to look at what Isaiah says about how God has invited you. Because what I believe is that the more fully you comprehend that God has invited you and what that means, the more easily you will and more gladly you will invite others. I won't have to beg you to invite people into your life, into your faith, and into the life of the church if you are really gripped in your heart by how amazing it is that God Almighty has whispered to you, come. And so that's where we're going to be this morning. So, uh, there have been in, in the history of Christianity some pretty amazing people who have accepted God's invitation into a relationship with Him and, as a result, been really great at inviting others. One of those is a man by the name of William Carey. Grabbed a picture of him off his Instagram. And, uh, and this is what he looks like, in case you're curious. William Carey is one of the greatest inviters in Christian history. He's called by some the father of modern missions. He was an Englishman whose passion to invite others compelled him to take his family to India where he would spend 41 years inviting others to Christ. And what's remarkable about his life is that he stayed faithful to the call to invite although he faced tremendous difficulty illness racked his family, and loneliness and regret set in along the way. And he said these words, I am in a strange land, no Christian friend, a large family, and nothing to supply their wants. But in the midst of it all, he also retained hope and said, I have God, and in his word is sure. He was passionate about being invited into a relationship with God, and how that meant he ought to go forward, invite others who did not know and love God. And he was a little disturbed by how so many Christians neglected this responsibility, and he wrote this essay called, An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathens. Real catchy, right? (laughs) It's like, wow, that's gripping. An inquiry into the obligations of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathens. He argued that the great commission that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 28, which is to go into all the world and make disciples, applies to all Christians at all times. And he had a problem with the fact that so many people who followed Christ ignored those that don't. He said these words, Multitudes sit at ease and give themselves no concern about the far greater part of their fellow sinners who to this day are lost in ignorance and idolatry. William Carey was a man that understood once you've been invited into the presence of God, which we're going to look at how God does this through the words of Isaiah, Isaiah in just a moment, that it meant that he ought to go forward and invite others. And on uh, May 31st, 1792, he gave this, this talk just before the formation of this um, significant missions organization. He gave a talk, and, and out of it he talked uh, in, from Isaiah chapter 54, which gives us a little bit of context for Isaiah chapter 55. And he argued that this text, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 and 3, is a great missionary text. It compels us to go forward and invite others because we've been invited in. He was gripped by it. So Isaiah chapter 54, verses two and three, quickly. Enlarge the place of your tent. It's Isaiah the prophet speaking to Israel after the, the time when Israel is returned to a right relationship with God. It's after the promised Messiah, okay? So the prophet Isaiah is speaking to Israel about what's going to happen in the future. So this is about the part in the future after God begins redeeming them through Christ, okay? Okay. So it says enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Hold not back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. In other words, spread out among people for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will, and will um, be people in the desolate cities. So William Carey was gripped by this reality that the gospel of God, the good news of God, meant that God's people, in this instance Israel, and ultimately all those that are God's people through Christ are going to spread out to every nation and going to plant themselves in the lives of those who have not yet responded in faith to who God is through Christ. So this sets the stage a little bit for this passage in Isaiah chapter 55 where we see so beautifully this. The invitation to experience God's love is for everyone. So come by, eat, and enjoy with others. What a great sermon topic for Christmas time, right? Right? The invitation to experience God's love is for everyone, for you and for me and all those that are in our city. So come, buy, eat, and enjoy with others. Debbie uh, read that so beautifully. And there's two types of invitations as we think about this invitation of God that Isaiah speaks of. The two types of invitation are this. There's, there's an invitation like, uh, like this place is inviting, like Um, like a space, right? Like your favorite restaurant. One reason you like going there is because it's inviting. Or maybe, hopefully, you feel like this place is inviting as an environment. There's another kind of invitation where it's like a special event, right? You've been invited to a special event. As I mentioned to you earlier, this is a season where we're invited to a lot of special events, well, both of these ways of inviting or understandings of inviting are found in this passage because we have this, this place that we're being invited to and that is this, this presence of God's love, like this space where God, we're experiencing God's uh, steadfast love, which we'll talk about later. The chesed love is what the Hebrews would say. And then we're also uh, invited into this special event where God has made a promise to you. There's an actual event that God is inviting you to, and that is the event of you recognizing that you need his presence in your life and hearing that you can enter into God's presence through salvation in Christ. Okay, so there's, there's two types of events. And then there's also in this passage two types of people being invited. And every one of you fall into one of these two categories. Two types of people. They're the first type of person that's talked about in verse 1. They're the thirsty and those that are broken spiritually. Thirsty and the broke. Broken. Broken. How's that go? Broke. Are you listening to my sorry, I'm looking at my wife. Are you listening? Are you anything going on on Facebook over there I need to know about? I'm just reading what she wrote. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. She, she, mis, she miswrote here, broke. Anyway, I'm just going to say the way she wrote it, thirsty and broke spiritually is one kind. Verse, verse 1. The second kind is those that are broken in the sense that they do not recognize their spiritual poverty and they're, they're, they're ultimately relying on their self-sufficiency. Look there in the verse. Do you, have, do you have the verse open? Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1. He who has no money Come. That is, that is somebody that doesn't, I mean, it can, it can mean uh, literally like poor. But really, the, the meaning here, I think, is more about people that recognize their poverty spiritually. They recognize that there is a need. Some of you are here today, and you recognize that you're spiritually impoverished. You're not walking in here like, hey, I have it all together. I'm doing my church thing, going to show up. You're walking in here like I need the presence of God in my life. Last night, I was uh, downstairs. I was, I was sweeping the kitchen, which I know means I'm going to lose my crown in heaven for doing it. Just to tell you, I was sweeping the kitchen. And uh, I was sweeping the kitchen, and I was cleaning up a little bit. And I just started talking to the Lord. And I just started saying, God, we need you. I recognize I need you. I'm impoverished. I, I need your presence in my life. We need your presence in our church. And I'm talking, and Kobe walks in, my oldest walks in, like, Dad, who are you talking to? <laughs> and I said, the Lord. And he's like, you need some help? and then he followed up with, on high, Uh aha, you know. I was like, yes, I do need some help because I recognize in my own life and in our family and in our church, we have a poverty where we need God's presence. This is one type of person that, that Isaiah is saying that God invites come. He who has no money but then there's a second, the, the, the kind of person that, that Isaiah speaks to where it says, spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy. This isn't saying this is a good thing. This is saying that some of you are still trying to labor and work for yourself and relying on yourself to meet your deepest spiritual needs. You're not relying on or hungry for or thirsty for the presence of God. Instead, you're trying to get your deepest needs met by all of these other things. The thirsty are invited. The self-sufficient are invited, according to Isaiah. Both are invited. Which one are you? Which one are you this morning? I don't know about you, there's sometimes times where I, I kind of move between one and the other. I mean, even after I've crossed over the line of faith and, and, and be, become a child of God through Christ, been reconciled to God through Christ, there are still times that I live in kind of these, these two worlds. Which one are you? Do you feel desperately in need of the presence of God this morning? Or are you sitting here still relying on what you can provide for yourself to meet your own deepest needs? And the latter is a hard one, I think, because for many of you, you're very educated, you're very capable, you recognize that we live in a time and in a location where hard work and effort typically does result in greater, uh, a greater accumulation of things and success and notoriety and all that kind of stuff. Cause it, cause, so it can trick you into believing that that is the kind of thing that's going to meet your ultimate and deep needs. But God is saying through Isaiah to you, come, come. Are you aware of your spiritual poverty? Are you willing to admit how spiritually in need of God's presence you are? If you are not gripped with that, if you're not feeling like a need, like I'm so thirsty for that and I want God's presence in my life, you know what? You will not care about God's presence in anybody else's life. Both of these that have been invited are, exper- are invited by God to experience God's love. And neither of them can provide it for themselves. You can ask the richest, most successful people in the world and they would, in an honest moment, tell you that all of their material possessions and all of their success cannot meet that deep need within them. And some of them have acknowledged the need for God's presence in their life. You know, Cal Mac, uh, Bob McNair just died a couple of weeks ago. You know, the owner of the Texans. And uh, and uh, he died, and his net worth in dying, very similar to what mine will be, um, $3.8 billion. $3.8 billion. And one thing about Bob is... Uh, <laughs> Because we're buddies. You know, I call him Bob. Um, one, one, one thing about Mr. McNair is that he was a very generous person. He was very wealthy, but he was also a very generous person. And he, had, he was a devout Christian. He loved Christ. And uh, we, we actually got to play on his grandson's football team this year, and I coached alongside his son, Cal. And it was just beautiful to watch from a distance their incredible generosity and kindness and humility. And, and part of their story, although they certainly do have and spend a lot of money, I'm sure, um, it's part of their story is they've gotten to a point in their life where they realize that the, their deepest spiritual needs cannot be met by the accumulation of all these things. Which one are you? Are you, do, you do you recognize your spiritual need for God's presence? God is inviting you in. God invites us in. The invitation here, according to Isaiah, is framed with these three things that you consume. Water, milk, and wine. He says there in verse one, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. I'm a little indebted to John Piper about Uh, understanding what these three words mean here as I share them with you. But what we think is that water represents refreshment. You know, when you're most thirsty, I mean most thirsty and most desperate, you're most dehydrated, the most on the edge of losing your life. Is it a Coke that you want? If so, you got a problem. No, it's probably, or eggnog that you want (laughs) to be relevant to the time. No, it's water, right? You can live without Coke and eggnog and and all those other things, milk and and, uh, even wine, uh, believe it or not. uh, But you cannot live without water. And so if that's the point you're at when you're the most desperate and you want God's presence in your life, God is saying through Isaiah, come, come, and there is water and is refreshing. Psalm chapter 23, verse 2 and 3 says, he leads me beside still waters. He refreshes or restores my soul. God invites you this morning to receive refreshment, restoration, to be revived, to receive a new beginning. So we have water. Then we have milk. Milk is different than water, right? Milk is the kind of thing that, that we consume because uh, we, we need nourishment. We need to grow and become stronger. I mean, you can drink water to survive, but you need something with some nutrients in it to get stronger and to become more healthy, right? Right? God says, come, there is a milk in the presence of God that can take you from just surviving to actually thriving and growing and become, becoming stronger. And there's, then there's the wine. Um, the wine represents this need, this human need for exhilaration. Something happens when you drink wine. You relax and you maybe get to enjoy things more than you normally would. We want to do more than just live and die, right? We wanna be strong and stable, which happens because of the milk, but that's not all we need. We also want to, to live lives of exhilaration. We wanna be willing to shout and to sing and to dance and to play and to run and jump and laugh, right? This is what it is available to you in God's presence, not just survival, not just being strong and functioning, but also exhilaration. You should be, as a follower of Christ, in the presence of God, the most fun person to be around, at least sometimes. God is—you <laughs> don't have to always be fun. I'm kind of taking the pressure off myself, you know. Um, there is the water, there's the milk, and then there's the wine. The water revives us from death. The milk makes us strong and healthy. This is the presence of God. These pictures represent the presence of God. And the wine gives us an endless, ever fresh exhilaration. This is the invitation of God to you. Whether or not you recognize your spiritual poverty or or you're the other group that says, no, I'm not really sure I need to fully give myself to God. The invitation is to you. And it might sound... Uh, different. I hope it sounds different than an ideology or a religion or a church that you pick to attend, right? This is something about the very real, vibrant presence of God. You know what we're doing at Christmas? We're doing at Christmas is we're saying, wow, God became flesh. He was born as a baby, grew up to be a man who laid his life on a cross and died and then was raised from the dead, giving us the hope of new life. And now we live in this time where we anticipate the day when God will return, not as a baby, but as a victorious king. And here we are, by God Almighty, invited into his presence through this baby-turned-king. And God says through Isaiah, come. This is the way it's supposed to be. Those of you that are spiritually impoverished, those of you that don't even realize how impoverished you are, all of you get to come buy and eat my water and milk and wine. And when God invites you in and makes a promise to you, it's called a covenant. Everybody say covenant. A covenant in the Old Testament is so important, and just these couple of phrases that I'm going to use to talk about them are not enough. And so if you're new to the Bible, just know it's incredibly significant. But a covenant is a promise that will not be broken. So when God makes a covenant to you, and Isaiah is saying, that God makes an invitation and then he makes a covenant of steadfast love. It's this word hesed, which is a Hebrew word representing the kind of love where God gives it to you regardless of what you do for him. It's the kind of love that's steadfast and sure. It's the kind of love that when Israel, in their history, when they struggled to believe that God was really present in their lives, they would remind themselves of God hesed love and how it was demonstrated in the exodus, which is the event where God delivered them from 400 years of slavery into a new land. The Hesed love is what you're invited into so when you get into God's presence, he makes a contract with you that has nothing to do with you. It's not to do with whether or not you continue to be a good person after you enter into this contract with him. God's love for you and His presence and welcoming presence for you is so loving and so strong and and, and overwhelming. And some of you are thinking, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, that message of grace because I'm afraid if people think they don't have to do something to earn it that they might not actually live it. Here's my contention. If you will understand how much God loves you, And how amazing it is that the God of the universe invites you in, so much so that he became flesh in the form of a man and died on a cross and was raised from the dead. If you will be gripped by that, no one's going to have to beg you to love and obey God. When you come to God, he binds himself by an unbreakable oath to pursue you with goodness and mercy all the days, right into eternity with ever-refreshing water and ever-strengthening milk and ever-exhilarating wine forever and ever. Which brings us to a very practical question. How do we get these benefits? So these three verses, there's something happening here in the Hebrew language, which is the original language that it was written in. Of course, we're reading it in English. But there's 12 imperatives. An imperative is a command. So it's a non-negotiable, it's a command. Just imagine uh, that these are 12 uh, words or 12 um, uh, verbs with an exclamation point at the end of them. There are 12 of them. So I'm gonna actually read the passage again and I'm gonna point them out to you. Here they are. Come, who everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, number one. And he who has no money, come, number two. Buy, number three. Eat, number four. come. Five, buy wine and milk, six, without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, number seven, and eat what is good, number eight, and delight yourselves in rich food, number nine, incline your ear, number 10, and come to me, number 11, hear that your soul may live. This is the presence of God. You're commanded to come into his presence. So why would you not accept that invitation? And when you come into his presence, there's actually kind of four steps laid out here. You, you hear the inviting voice of God through the prophet Isaiah. He says, come, buy, eat, and enjoy. And this is what the Bible means by faith. You come into the presence of God. You accept his presence in your life. And you say, Russell, you don't know how bad I am or what I've done. And I would say, I don't, but God does. I actually do know some of what you've done because I follow most of you on social media. But anyway, that's another story. All right, so, and, uh, but, but God knows. God knew what Israel was going to do to reject him to worship false gods in his temple, But yet, God invites them in. God says, You get my love, the kind of love that is steadfast and never moving and never shaking, and it will be like water and milk and wine to you. This is the invitation of God. And everybody in this room is at some point in this continuum. Everybody is one of these two people, but but everybody's at one point in this continuum. You're either the person that's hearing for the first time, hey, you're invited by God into his presence, and the way you enter his presence is somebody's got to deal with your sin, which keeps you separated from God, and that someone is Jesus who died on a cross. That's the Christian gospel. He died on a cross so that your sin could be forgiven so that when you hear God say come, you can come to God not as a sinner separated from God but as a righteous child of God. Your sin has been erased, not covered up, erased because of the blood of Christ. Some of you are in that place and and what you need to hear this morning is God saying come into my presence. You're impoverished, you need me. It's it's um, it's kind of like God's inviting you in to experience something that you can't pay for, and somebody has stepped in to pay for it. Uh, raise your hand if you've done zoo lights this year at the at the zoo. anybody anybody done zoo lights? Okay, three people. Um, So so let's do it. This week, let's all go to the Zoo Lights. Um, So I heard a story. I've got a friend who works at the uh, counter there selling tickets. And he told me this story. You know, Zoo Lights is an amazing thing. Here's a picture. Uh, Just breathtaking, isn't it? (laughs) Imagine that, but really cool, okay? Um, And so... So, uh, so you go in there, and there are, there are hundreds of thousands, millions of lights. I don't, I don't know how many, but it's millions and millions of lights, and it's breathtaking. You go in, and the experience is really, really moving. People come from all over to see this and to experience it. Well, my friend who works the ticket counter said the other night, he was standing there, and this family came up. They wanted to experience this, this wonderful, amazing thing and they walked up, and they did not actually have any money. They did not have enough money. And my friend said, I looked at them, and I knew that they were poor, but they wanted their kids to experience this. And so they found out how much it was going to be. They didn't have the money, so they begin to walk off dejected because they could not pay the price to get in for this experience. Is anybody tracking with me yet? Okay, so so they begin to walk off, and this other family comes up and says, no, 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 come over here, we'll pay. And uh, we'll pay. And, uh, and actually, as it turns out, the zoo just said, no, no one's, you know, we're gonna pay. <laughs> you, you get to come into our presence, and we're gonna pay for you. This is what God has done in Christ, right? He said, come into my presence, and to make it possible, I'm going to pay. This is the Christian gospel. And if you have experienced anything else in Christ, different than that. I'm sorry, because that's not the way it was meant to be. If for some reason you've not experienced it like that, then you're probably not going to invite your neighbors to Jesus and into your life and to church. But the way that Isaiah says is God is saying, come, buy, eat. It's been paid for. If you have experienced God in this way, then we must invite others, right? We must invite others. And so I guess the first thing to do is for you to consider, do you recognize how impoverished you are? Um, do you recognize your need for the presence of God? If so, come, buy, Eat. And what God gives to you is his love. He doesn't first give you an assignment. No, he says, here, here's my love, and then out of response to that experience, you go, okay, God, what do you want me to do? William Carey was a person, he and his wife and his family, they were people that were so gripped by the love of God and so fully enjoyed his presence that they stayed in a really hard place for 41 years to invite others. You know, for us, we think it's difficult to invite others because we're afraid someone is going to say something bad about us or not like us, right? Like, if I talk to my friends about Jesus, then they're going to think I'm weird. You are. I mean, let's be honest. I am. I'm like telling my kids all the time, like, I'm sorry. I know I'm weird. Our family's weird. (laughs) William Carey lived in this hard place for 41 years, and it wasn't at a time where a lot of people were doing it. I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of support via the Internet. He was there, and he was was grinding and, and starting his own organization. And do you know this? It took seven years before anybody came to Christ. He had already, as I understand it, already had a child die of dysentery. He'd already been impoverished. He'd already struggled. He'd already suffered, and he stayed and remained faithful, inviting people, and then seven years. And you would say, well, then at that point, did just thousands and thousands come to Christ? No, he was there for 41 years, and he only saw 700 converts. And I say only, not really meaning to degrade what he's done, but 700 converts in a nation of millions, but he was faithful. Why did he stay? Because his experience of joy in this life wasn't in this life. It was the presence of God. So he continued to invite others, and he said things like this, which have shaped missions and ministries that invite others for all these years. He said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. This is the way of Christ. God invites you to come. Will you come? And then will you be so gripped by the love of God that you'd be willing to get out of your comfort zone and invite others? And here's a great next opportunity. Invite him next Sunday or invite him to Christmas Eve. So next Sunday, we're going to make it a Christmas-type service that's going to really be great for you to invite people to. And then Christmas Eve, we've been posting signs uh, on the Jackson Hill Bridge. I don't know if they're still there. They may have been taken down by now. But, but Andrew went out there in the darkness of night and hung these signs. I wasn't going to do it because I didn't want to get arrested. But Andrew, he's a rebel. Um, and, and we're saying community Christmas service. And so what we need you to do is invite people. If you live near here or Midtown or Rice Military or wherever, we need you to invite people to come. And you, you know what? Most people you're going to invite are not going to be able to. Let's just be honest about that. But maybe a few will come. Maybe a few will come. And then what we need you to do is to show up a little early. That way when they do come, there can be people in the room. I'm kind of like kidding, not really. <laughs> people are like, I'm like, hey, this is an awesome church. And they're like, well, it looks like it. There's four people here. (laughs) Invite others in response to the fact that you've been invited in Christ. All right, let's think on and pray about these things. Would you bow your head? Listen carefully to what was the main idea. The invitation to experience God's love is for everyone. So come, by eat. And enjoy it with others. Where are you today? Do you recognize that you are impoverished spiritually and you need God's presence in your life? If so, just pray right there where you are and ask Him to be present in your life. Maybe there's something that emerged in your heart as keeping you from really experiencing God's presence maybe there's a, an addiction or a temptation that you're just having a hard time resisting or maybe there's conflict with somebody that you love or some other issue that's come to your mind that says hey this thing keeps me from experiencing God's presence and i and i want to talk to God about this thing then use this time to talk to God about it he he is inviting you come by eat So this time of response is for you to respond to the word of God that's been spoken. And so please pray. If you're not a follower of Christ, you are spiritually dead, the Bible says. But God is making available to you an invitation to experience new life in Christ. You're not just kind of dead spiritually. You are literally dead spiritually apart from Christ. But God says, I will raise you up through Christ into new life. For those that are struggling or those that are feeling like, hey, I've been on the water, but I need some more milk, and then just talk to God about that. Maybe others of you are feeling like your Christian faith has gotten a little boring and dry and what you really want from God is the the exhilaration of his presence that's like stirring in you a passion to live for Christ. All of that will come from God. Just ask him. God Almighty, we love you and um, we just ask God that your presence would be real, God. I, I uh, just told them all that You're inviting us into your presence because that's what your word says through the prophet Isaiah. And so, God, what we really want is is just your presence in our hearts in these moments of response. And we want your presence in in the community of the church, the people. God, I'm not even exactly sure what that means or what that looks like, but I pray, God, that as we're responding, as we're taking the Lord's Supper, as we're confessing sin, as we're praying alone and praying for one another, God, that, that you would do what only you can do. God, you're a good God, and God, we want to respond to you right now you invite us in and we we want to accept. God, we hear the prophet Isaiah saying come eat. God, that's our that's our what's what we're doing now, God. We just love you and I pray for this time of response. In Jesus name. Amen.